ministry of Nelson Ihiago. Be stirred as you listen. So, for this afternoon session, I want to talk a little bit about the Bible. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the Bible. And it's amazing how in that room, nobody is sitting there. But anyways, I want to talk a little bit about the Bible. Um, so I, I usually would, when I'm teaching people, I usually will ask them this question. How do you know the Bible is the word of God? How do you know the Bible? Please pay attention to me. God is great. How do you know the Bible is the word of God? And um, many people have many reasons for why they say what they say. But um, <laughs> you can't say the Bible is the word of God outside faith. Are you listening to me? You can't say the Bible is the word of God. Apologetically, you can't arrive at this is why the Bible is the word of God. You can only guide someone to that point. Are you guys listening to me? You can only guide someone to that point. Um, however, apologetically, I can tell you why I believe the Bible is the word of God. And I can tell you, um, I can tell you what led me to that point in faith. So, I'm going to start by, I remember reading a book on apologetics. I remember I was in my 200 level. And around that period, I began to think, am I being scammed? You know, is this Christianity thing true? Sam has heard this story like 40 times, because every time we're evangelizing, you know. So, um, is, is, is this thing true? And then my roommate, he's a very stupid boy. Oh, no, I'm not saying it behind his back. I used to tell him. <laughs> he walked in, and then his mom gave him a book. And that book was the answer to all my questions. But he did not read it once. So his mom basically gave me the book. So I took the book, and he was answering all my questions. And I said, what a wow. And I began to study. <laughs> now, I... And there was a chapter in that book that spoke about a few things which I want to talk about. The uniqueness of the Bible. Now, why do I believe the, word of, the Bible is the word of God? Well, I will hinge it on these things I call the uniqueness of the Bible. Are you with me? I will hinge it on these things I call the uniqueness of the Bible. Okay. Um... Some things you should pay attention to with the Bible. Now, some people call this, some people categorize this into internal and external evidence for why the Bible is the word of God. But I want to title it the uniqueness of the Bible. And I'm going to categorize them into these two categories, which is internal evidence and external evidence. Internal evidence. The first thing you're going to see when you talk about the Bible is the harmony of scriptures. Is the harmony of scriptures. You know, um, I think the Latin term is analogia scriptura. That's the, the harmony of scriptures. 
you guys remember that chart we looked at on Sunday? The picture chart that shows um, the hyperlinks of the Bible. You know, it shows um, that the Bible has 65,000 links. Yes, this is it, right? The, the one at the base, those people like Adishola that miss church were not there. So the one at the base is all the verses in the Bible. Then the lines are where a verse of scripture is related to another verse of scripture. A verse of scripture, so let me, quick, if you are in church on Sunday, don't answer. If these are all the verses of scripture, you know, all these gray lines are each verse, each chapter, sorry, of scripture. What chapter is this one? You are in church on Sunday now. <laughs> okay. So when you see the yellow, it's more Genesis related to Revelation. When you see the purple, it's more closer relationships, right? So some say 63,500, some say 65,000, but whatever it is, there's almost no book that is as linked as this. And I'm saying almost no because I want to be humble. Amen? There's almost no book that is as linked as this. But one thing you see with scriptures first is something that is called analogia scriptura, which is the harmony of scriptures. You look at the Bible and you see that it was written over the space of 1,500 years across um, 10 civilizations, three continents, right? Written in two languages and then um, over 40 different authors of different um, occupations. Fishermen, shepherds, soldier, you know, all those things. Different people. Yet, they had the same message. The message of redemption. If nothing, that counts for, that's something to pay attention to. Now, if, you know, we looked at Christ in prophecies on Sunday. If Micah you know, when he was prophesying about Jesus or when we were prophesying about the forerunner, you know, and then John the Baptist was his neighbor, would have said, okay. But this was many years. When David said he pierced, anyways, I'm going, I'm going ahead of myself. But when David said that my hands and my feet were pierced, crucifixion was not even a, an execution method. That was about at least three centuries or about three centuries before Jesus came. When Isaiah prophesied, it was about eight centuries before Jesus came. So the first thing is the harmony. You see that these guys were in different timelines at different places, yet they had one message. That is too specific to be a coincidence. At the very least, it must be divine. Come on, TC, are you with me? Must be divine. Number two is prophecy. Now, the Old Testament has about 300 prophecies of Jesus. But there are 48 major ones that we see. And remember, I, I shared this on Sunday. I said the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight is one in ten raised to power seventeen. That's the probability of him fulfilling eight. 
the probability of him fulfilling the 48 major ones is 1 in 10 raised to power 157. Someone put it this way. You know, the, the chance of Jesus fulfilling the 48 prophecies is if you put um, silver bars and then you, you put them side by side and then they are going to cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. You blindfold somebody and you tell them to walk as far as they can and pick anyone. The chance of them picking the one you marked is the possibility of Jesus to have fulfilled all those prophecies to the T. Just the 48. Do you guys get what I just said? You see, the prophecy thing alone is proof that at the very least, the Bible is a book to pay attention to. Number one, I said is what? Number two is and then number three is its unique authority and power. And this is supernatural. This is experiential. Let me say this. God was, God wants us to experience him, not just to know him. God wants you to experience him. So God wants you to have a first-hand experience of who he is. Not just mental ascent of who he is. God doesn't just want you to know about him. God wants you to know him. God wants you to experience him. So we look at, you know, I saw a statistic. They said, people who read their Bible at least, or it was shown that people who read their Bible at least four days a week, pornography went down by a significant amount of, um, by a significant amount. Other vices in their life went down significantly. You don't get that by reading a geography textbook. This book has hardened reprobates, has softened reprobates and saved criminals. Are you listening to me? It has saved criminals. You don't get that by reading just a mere textbook. Praise the living Jesus. Then number two is external evidence, or you can call this external evidence. Historicity, that's the first one. This book we have come to believe is historically reliable. In fact, many people have used the Bible. I wish I had time to go into some historical um, this thing, but you know, you know that book, that um, um, uh, when they had a riot in the city, Alexander the Coppersmith, and then the, the clerk came out and he said, if you guys have a problem, go to the courts in the book of Acts, right? It is recorded historically that that riot happened, not in the Bible, in other historical books, among many other things. So the Bible has historical reliability. Historic, the Bible has been used... As a historic piece. Come on, are you here? It has been used as a historic piece. People have looked at the Bible and archaeology has pointed back that what the Bible said about things was true. Was true. There, there's a small fringe of 
people who call themselves Jesus mythicists. And they say that the man called Jesus never existed. That's, that's not even a lie. That's ridiculous. Because I remember, I was watching an, um, um, a conversation with, I think it was, I'm not even sure if it was a conversation or a debate, because of how shield John Lennox is, was. So John Lennox is, he's a, he's a professor of mathematics at um, Oxford, right? And then there was the, host, the horseman himself, Richard Dawkins. And John Lennox was, Richard Dawkins is an 80s, an 80s OG. Richard Dawkins said um, some early historians say that Jesus never walked the earth and things like that. He never walked on the earth and stuff. They even debated if, it, if the man called Jesus actually did exist. And John Lennox being so chilled said, I read that you said this, 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 but I have checked many of the, and I can't seem to find any of those sources. Please, enlighten us. Where did you find it? And he said, well, um, you know, maybe it's not like, well, you, maybe I made a mistake. You are a liar. You are a liar, sir. Manu, there are manuscripts. And Kofo asked me a brilliant question yesterday. She said, why are the early manuscripts of the Bible reliable? Which you even bring me. Why are the early manuscripts of the Bible reliable? They are reliable for this purpose. Please pay attention. You will need this, these things I'm saying in a conversation one day. Pay attention. Why are the manuscripts reliable? They are reliable not just because they are old books, old papers. That's not why they are reliable. They are reliable because, um, I, I put it this way. If I document something as an eyewitness, so maybe Adeshola and David get into a fight, right? And David brutalizes Adeshola, right? <laughs> and, and I write about it. Now, because I wrote about it as an eyewitness, in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, please, are you with me? I wrote about it as an eyewitness. In the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, even in the lifetime of the brutalizer and the brutalized, right? I wrote it in their lifetime. And then if it was a lie, there were many other people to challenge me, but no one challenged me that it was a lie. It will be a reliable source of reference for people in 100 years to come when they are reading about David the brutalizer. Do you get what I'm saying? So, that's exactly why the manuscripts are reliable. Not just because they are old books. Because these are eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts that were written in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Because it's not just the Bible that captures people like historians that, that even make, like Eusebius and Tacitus. These were guys that um, wrote about Jesus as well. These are first and third century historians. Please, are you with me? 
extra biblical writers corroborate about Jesus. Number one is what? Historicity. Number two, the death of the writers. Please pay attention to this. Listen to me. The um, hmm. I said the death of the writers, right? What makes the death of the apostles different from the death of say an Islamic jihadist today? Because people usually will raise that. What, what, what makes it di- any different? Where's the second mic? What's busy with you? Anybody? Anybody? Yes. No, 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 no. I've taught you in ADC. Jihadists, Islamic um, guys that blow themselves. Yeah. Okay, let, let me hear Lloyd. Okay, so the difference is that the apostles died for the sake of Christ. But the jihadis um, die and then kill others thinking that will take them to heaven. Yes, but not the answer. <laughs> Any other person wants to try? Yes, but it's the same thing with what he said. Okay, Jose. It was foretold that the apostles would die. No, that like you would be persecuted for Christ's sake. Yes, but that's not the answer I'm looking for. Any other person? Does any other person want to try? Adishola wants to try. Abi? You are just protocol. You don't know anything. <laughs> you want to try? Shebi, he was here. Please. Fail it first, you kneel down. <laughs> yeah, let him try, let him try. They lie, try. Try, try, let's hear. I think the reason why there's a difference is the, the, the purpose of the death. See, the apostles believed, I mean, of course, they had faith and all of that, and they died for God's own sake. So, and that was. dies for. They, they died for the promise of what, the, what they are, whatever it is, has told them. But the apostles also had the promise of eternal life, too. The apostles, yeah. Yeah. Not exactly. Give Bisola, let me hear. Bisola, fold your hand. What I'm thinking is like, did Jadis. <laughs> so, anyways, did Jadis think it's by their works, but we us is not. We believe it's by grace. That's not what I'm looking for. I've taught you in ADC now. I've taught you in ADC. What did you say? Huh? Shame on you. All right. Okay, let me hear Tomoa. Let him calm down. Wait. No, fail it first. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's hear. You will go without this, your boots. I promise you. We'll give you crocs to go. Tampa mess with justice. Injustice will mess with me. I, according to what he thought. <laughs> so it's my fault now. So it's my fault if you fail it. That's okay. But Let's no, hear you. But, um, you know, at first, when the disciples, when Jesus died, everybody ran away and went to their normal businesses. But, you know, they saw Jesus again and 
they came back and died for what they knew was true. The um, Muslim guys, they are not, they are dying for, they are not eyewitnesses. They are not, they were not, they were not, they are not, there is no evidence, basically. They explained that. Yeah, they explained that, no evidence. But they are, they are dying in what they are hoping. But the disciples saw, and they died for what they believed they saw. So that's what I thought, I mean. I yes, thought sir. it well. So, so this, is the, this is the thing. Better put, it's simply this. Please turn off the mic so we don't have it back. Better put, this is, this is it. They are, the jihadists die for what they are being indoctrinated about. What they are told would happen to them when they die. Are you listening to me? What they are told will happen to them. But the apostles died for what they were eyewitnesses to. So listen to this. Nobody will willfully die for what they know is a lie. Are you here? Nobody will willfully... And listen, the apostles did not die by a gun to the head. They died excruciating death. So let me give you a picture. One of the apostles died by a horse dragging him around town. Yeah. He was died like... um, um, One of the apostles was hung. One died like one died with um, tied to four horses and they went in different directions. So they died for horrible deaths. One is being indoctrinated, told if you do this, this will happen. One is being told, You said you saw this. If you still hold on to it, I will kill you. But if you recant, you will live. And they say, I cannot deny what we have seen. So when the apostle says that which our hands have handled, it's not a prophetic mystery. Is actually what they saw. Are you aware that when the Bible calls them witnesses, you can't be a witness if you didn't see. When Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses, right? And strictly speaking, only the apostles could have been witnesses. Are you with me? Strictly speaking, by implication, can we be, yes, by implication in terms of um, prolonging his days with our life, walking in the things of the spirit and stuff like that. Can we be here? But strictly speaking, a witness is someone who was present at the time of the event. Do you guys get what I'm saying? That, that's exactly what it is. So, so um, the jihadists are indoctrinated. They are not first-hand eyewitnesses. They are 200 and whatever if not more, I'm just being charitable. But the apostles were the first ones to see it. So, the, why is their death very important? I think now you can move because of the, the light here. Why is their death very, um, or why is their death a proof? You know, external evidence, like I said. No, Paul was beheaded. In fact, these guys were Jews. They were Jews. They engaged in all the beauties and the practice of Judaism. For them to have turned, they had more to lose than to gain. Nobody exchanges gain for loss, except you've seen a greater treasure. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's exactly why, that's why their death is something to pay attention to. And then they wrote that Jesus is glorified. Jesus is risen from the dead. The death of his writers is something to pay attention to. 
Number three, um, I'm just cutting all this short, but number three, external evidence, the indestructibility. The Bible is the most, is one of the most, if not the most, persecuted book throughout history. And it has stood the test of time. It's still the world's bestseller. The Bible is the world's best. No book has been sold or been bought as much as the Bible. Come on, TC, are you with me? No book has been bought or been sold. Please pay attention here. No book has been bought or been sold as much as the Bible. Jola is looking when we meet to marry. Better pay attention. Amen. Amen. Oh. No book has been sold or has been bought. Please, pay. the side talks are distracting me. Please pay attention. No book has been bought or has been sold as much as the Bible has. The Bible has been attacked by all. I told you guys the funny story. Voltaire said Christianity will be extinct in 50 years. In 100 years, rather. But Voltaire, Voltaire died 50 years after, and his house was used to print Bibles. God has a sense of humor. Even from the Bible, you see that the early church, they were persecuted. Yet, there is no social thought. I'm not even talking of religious now. No social thought that is scrutinized the way Christianity has been or the Bible has been and still stand the test of time. None. Many of the worlds, the the, the FDHR, that's the fundamental human rights and and all those common laws that we have, they are shaped from the laws of Moses. No book has influenced humanity like the Bible has. Come on, TC, are you with me? No book has influenced humanity the way the Bible has. Now, so with all these things, I can only tell you that the Bible is unique. So, the, the harmony of scriptures, prophecy, its unique authority and power, you know, the historicity, the death of the writers, um, its indestructibility and all these things. These things basically show two things. That they show that it hails from God. Are you here? It shows that it hails from God. And it also shows that there is a divine force that is also backing it up. But if you ask me, how do you know the Bible is the word of God? One thing. One thing is important. Or what is the ultimate proof for me to trust the Bible? It's not even all this. It's simply put, the, the same thing our faith rests on. That Jesus died, was buried, he rose from the dead, and not just that, never to die again. And thank you, that's a good, you missed a good place to shout, so I'll say it again. He died, was buried, rose again, never to die again. Glory to God. Now, why that is, why I always add that clause, please pay attention, why I always add that clause, never to die again, is because other people in the Bible died and rose. But he died and rose never to die again. And that's why he has the answer to eternal life. Are you with me? That's why he has the answer to what? eternal life. Because only he, pro- only he boasted about it and proved it to be true. You know, C.S. Lewis says something. He said, is the 
trilemma argument. He said, Jesus is either Lord, liar, or lunatic. So, three ways. If you say he's liar, it means that he knew he was deceiving people and did not rise. He's lunatic, meaning he didn't know he was deceiving people and also did not rise. Or he's Lord, he said he was going to rise from the dead and he did rise. He has to be one of them and he's Lord. That's just his argument in a rough summary. But he proved it and he is God. But why else will I hold on to the Old Testament and the New Testament? Ultimately, because the one who died was buried, rose again, and told us about the things about approaching God, and told us about the things about eternity. He referenced those books. Jesus quoted the law. Jesus, you see, like we have been looking at Luke 24, the Bible says, Jesus said, I'm beginning at Moses. Luke 24, 23, 24, 25. Beginning at Moses and the prophets, he began to expound to them the things that were concerning himself. If you go to verse 44, he said, beginning at the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So, if anything, we look at the law, that's the books, the books of Moses, that's the law, and, you know, um, um, Luke 24 says, beginning at Moses, and when he said Moses, he meant the books of Moses. It means that the books of Moses are affirmed by Jesus because he quoted them. The Psalms are affirmed by Jesus because he taught from them. The prophets are affirmed by Jesus because he taught from them. I wish I had time, but time is already gone. Jesus. But hell. Okay. But Jesus, and all this is heading somewhere. Please pay attention. And then Jesus, the, the God-man, the, the, the one that speaks about life eternal, huh, says one thing that we need to pay attention to. He quotes about those books, and then he now says, I have so many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. And then we've quoted that 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has he entered into the hearts of any man. Those are the things he has revealed unto us. You know, he revealed them through the ministry of the holy apostles and prophets. So, the things that Jesus said you could not bear, of course, because we didn't have the spirit within, right? Those are the things that he has now revealed to us in the giving of the apostles. So, the teachings of the apostles and the prophets was the continuation of the teaching ministry of Jesus. Are you with me? The teaching of the apostles and the prophets were the... So, if Jesus... So, have you heard people say things like, stop quoting Paul, look at Jesus. Why are you quoting Paul, look at Jesus? Because you don't get it. If Jesus was teaching, if Jesus was going to be on earth that period, what he would have taught is what Paul was teaching. The teaching ministry of the apostles is the continuation of the teaching ministry of Jesus. Sissy, are you with me? It's the continuation of the teaching ministry. So, the apostles did not teach something different from Jesus. Let me explain. 
You know, I was thinking the other day, Paul said, forgive, even as Christ, for God's sake, has forgiven you. And then Jesus now said, if you don't forgive, your heavenly father will not forgive you. It sounds like a contradiction. Are we forgiving, or if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven? Which one? And I thought about it. Both of them were saying the same thing. Which is what? The forgiving man will forgive. And then, if you don't forgive, we will not take you to 1 John and say, he that hates his brother is in darkness until now. Because the man who is forgiving. So, so that is analogia scriptura. The Old Testament, the Gospels, the New Testament, the same message, not contradiction. Verses that are contradicted now need to be properly exegeted. They need to be properly explained. Because the truth is, the Bible does not prescribe all it describes. Are you with me? The Bible does not prescribe all all it describes, and it does not affirm all it contains. I'm deep. <laughs> so, the Bible contains David sending Uriah. <laughs> A meme just played in my head. So, Uriah comes to the house. And David says, you're sure you don't want to go back to war? Or you would like to go back? David now says, ah, yep. <laughs> you know that child, I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, the Sheba now comes and says, I'm a widow. David says, ah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyways, so, David did that. But the Bible does not say you should do that now. Abi? Uh-huh. The Bible contains... I will, I will come back to that when I, when I... There are many things that happen in the Bible. If you just read a little bit more, you will know that... Oh, because revelation in the scriptures is progressive. We begin to see that people begin to unfold more in God and begin to see more in God. And this is why I like it. Now, God did not change. Man only saw better. God did not change. Man only saw better. So look at this. We see Genesis. We continue going, 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 going. And then we come to the epistles. And Paul now says that, Ephesians chapter 3, he says that thing that was mystery is that which I have revealed to you. Now, that statement, revelation is progressive. People have abused it. They apply it to their lives. And they say things like revelation is progressive. So, in their lives, they say as we begin to grow, we begin to see more. So, you, be, you go so deep, you enter pit. That's, that's not, revelation is progressive in scriptures. Are you with me? In scriptures. In scriptures. Anyways. So how do I know that the Bible is the word of God? Jesus called it so. In Jesus quoting those books, and, and in fact, he called them scriptures. The word scriptures is graphe, holy writings. 
How many of you know the word? How many of you know where we got the word? Maybe just in case a Muslim comes to you and says, the word Quran is in the Quran, but the word Bible is not in the Bible. How many of us know what the word Bible means? The, the word Bible is gotten from the Greek word Biblios, which means book. So, Holy Bible, Hagios Biblios, Holy Book, because it's a book now. And then when the Muslim comes and says, the book is corrupted, who corrupted it? And when was it corrupted? And then, every time I ask them, he say, you know, I'm not really deep, you know, so why did you bring it up? He said, the Bible is corrupted. The first mistake is, the Bible is not one book, it's 66. Have you read all? He said, No. So who corrupted who now? My favorite thing to do in evangelism is to tell the Muslim where their argument is coming from. And then their eyes will open up. They're like, ah, he's familiar with my game. Always funny. Very funny. So in Jesus quoting those books, Jesus affirmed the Old Testament books. Are you listening to me? Jesus affirmed the Old Testament books. And, of course, we see Jesus' teachings in the Gospels. So, it means that Jesus' Gospels, um, Jesus' teachings must be read and studied. Then, in the verses I just quoted about Jesus affirming the teachings of the apostles, it means that we must pay attention to it. In fact, Peter calls Paul's letters scriptures. The word scriptures means writings, like holy writings. So Peter says some of Paul's letters had to understand with other scriptures. He calls Paul's letters scriptures. It means that even the words of the apostles must be paid attention to. Are you with me? Now, why exactly do we believe that the word of God is the word of God? 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think it's easier this way. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Are you guys with me? I'm going to run through many things right now. 2 Timothy 3, give me 15. I'm going to run through so many things. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto what? Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. All scripture is given by the what? Come on, it's given by the what? It means that all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. You know, Peter speaking, he said, holy men spake as they were what? Moved by the Holy Ghost. So it means that men were moved, but who was eventually speaking? God. Where is that verse? Second Peter what? Second Peter one ten. It, is, it hinges on this word, inspiration. Put 2 Peter 1.10. It hinges on the word, inspiration. So look at... No, it's not 1.10. It's not 1.10. 1 Peter 1.10. 1 Peter. It says, of which... Of, no, no, no. Go to the next verse. Let me see. Inquired and prophesied the grace to come to you. Speaking to testify the spirit before... His, next verse, 12. Uh, where's this verse? Is it the next one? Roman. 
120. 20. 20, like Anita said. Second Peter, 120. He said, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. Next verse. Was it 19? Uh-huh, 21. He said, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but look, look. he said, but holy men of God spake as they were what? Moved by the Holy Ghost. The word moved there is tantamount or is equal to what Paul was saying when he said they were inspired by the Spirit. It's the same word. They didn't speak of their own accord. They spoke by what? Inspiration. Inspiration was inside, amen? They spoke by inspiration. And if God, you know, (laughs) I saw a a video, he said, you know why I don't believe the Bible? He said, why? He said, because it was written by men. He said, as opposed to who? Who should write it? As, As opposed to who? But that's the thing. He said, you believe your biology textbook, yet men wrote it. Yeah. You go to Wikipedia and trust what they say. But it's not spirits that wrote it. But he said, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved, as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. Now, in Jesus quoting, you know, Jesus is the word. He's the word on two feet. He's the living word. Anything Jesus affirms about the Old Testament is true. Because before Abraham, he am. Yes, before Abraham, he existed. So he saw it while it happened. He was there. So if he affirmed it, he believed, he's saying it because it's true. And that's why Jesus can correct Moses. That's why Jesus can say, Moses said... And Moses allowed it because, and God allowed it because of the hardness of your heart. But he will say, Moses said, but I say. Moses said, but I say. So before it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, because of the dispensation in living. But now he says, pray for your enemies and love them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh huh. That means, are you, are you guys listening to me? That means praying for your enemies to die is not in the character of Jesus. And many people do it because they are afraid. They've not come to terms with the authority they have in Jesus. Vengeance is his, it's not yours. Does God act in judgment? Yes. And I'm not even talking of in eternity. I mean in time. I have stories. See, I'm a pastor. That alone is a CV. I'm a pastor. I have stories for days. A man of God shared this story. He was prophesying. And he said, there's someone. He said, somebody. And I've had those times when God wants to. I'm a vessel. Wants to use me to speak a few things. You understand? So at that time, I know I'm not praying for you to die. I'm enacting what God, I guess, me now. Mm-hmm. Now, 
He said that there's someone. An angel has appeared to the person that is doing it. Time and again and told them, stop. This person is a child of God. And the person did not listen. So, at that time, the person has been weighed in the balances and has been found wanting. Nebuchadnezzar pride had been lifting him since. Nobody talked. Belshazzar did his party. God did not disturb him. He took concubines. God said nothing. The party now got to a, to a high. He said, bring those things in the temple. A finger appeared and said, you have gone this far. You will go no further. As soon as he saw the finger, he, he knew he was in trouble. You know, when you were drunk, you see finger, you become sober. Please, are you with me? Anyways, let's go back to what we were saying. I mean, I have too many. Ah, this world is wicked. Oh, God. There is wickedness in this world. My goodness. It's only you that doesn't pray. <laughs> Everybody's holding their thing. This world is wicked. Uh, I'm just thinking of this. Uh, should I say, should I not say? I should say, our time is going. <laughs> you see how somebody will come to a man of God and say, please pray. Because... A woman, the mother, the mother went to a prophet and said, this one seems sharper than this one. I want you to swap their star. Yeah. She went to a prophet. Somebody went to a prophet because he needs a child. The prophet gave them food to eat. Are you a chef or a prophet? <laughs> Abbas kitchen. Or a shoes kitchen, rather. <laughs> he gave them food to eat. Casting out devils. That's when the demon began to speak out and say, I cannot go. They gave, they gave this person food. And that's my legal entry. So you call the name of Jesus, but service shrine. To a two-factor authentication. <laughs> I, have, I have stories... For days. I have too many stories. And the UK is not excluded. Though. Uh, are you guys aware they did a Satan, Satan Fest or a witchcraft convention in Croydon? Mm, it's not. They did it so. So we'll not think that that's black magic. There's UK magic. There's a white one. All magic is magic. If hand touch you, you know go believer. Sometimes I really want to see all these people on the street. Palm readers, my G, Alpha. Let's talk. Amen. Too many stories to share. But let's move on. He <sighs> just hit them. <laughs> now, this inspiration simply means that God spoke to them. 
So if they were inspired, so the inspiration was verbal. If I begin to prophesy, I'm speaking, but God is speaking through me. They wrote, but God was, it was God's words. Are you with me? It was God's words. So it means that the writings are inerrant. People are quick to say the Bible is not inerrant, the Bible has errors. A book can only be said to be erroneous in the direction of what it was written to address. So you can only say the Bible is, for example, you can't say the Bible is an erroneous book. Why? It doesn't contain some biological things. The Bible is not a biology textbook. It's not a Bible. Essential biology. That's not what it was written for. It was written to make wise unto salvation. It can only be said to be erroneous if it is faulty in the matters of salvation. So people say things like, why are there no stories of dinosaurs in the Bible? Because that's not why it was. If you check it from Genesis, you'll see that one line has been traced. And it was about Jesus. So there were many other people, but it was about one person. So if, the, if we call the Bible a textbook, it's a textbook on salvation. So the biblical inspiration, it was verbal. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It is plenary. It is full. Both the old and the new is inspired. Come on, TC, are you with me? It's inspired. And because it is the words of God, it gives it authority. So, when a believer says, when I say the Bible says, and you say, leave that Bible thing first, you are not acting like a believer. Because we don't lay God's word aside. We live by God's word. When God's word is, God's word is always correct, I can be wrong. The word rightly exegeted can be correct. He is always correct, and I can be wrong. Come on, are you with me? For the laws of Moses, we consistently see God said to Moses. God said to Moses. The Lord said, and Moses recorded. The Lord said, Moses recorded. In the words of the prophet, you see in Hebrews 1, he said, Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, he said, God in sundry times and diverse manners, polymeros, polytropic, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So, God spoke to the fathers but through the prophets. So, the speakings of the prophet were the speakings of God. I'm giving you a little bit. I, please, are you learning anything? Then, he now goes further to say, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So, the teachings of Jesus, of course, Jesus is God, were the speakings of God. I remember I said that the apostles, the teaching ministry of the apostles was the continuation of the teaching ministry of who? Jesus. So it means that the teachings of the apostles are also the speakings of God. Are you with me? And that's why consistently we see Paul demarcate. He said, now I'm speaking as a man. I was reading 1 Corinthians yesterday and I'm sure many of you will say definitely he was speaking as a man. When Paul said, I would that you will be as I am, single. These are the issues. 
Are you, is your hand paining you? Are you exercising it? Okay. Sure. Cannot be you for many reasons, but I just shall talk about that another because you that don't see that in one place. Amen. And then, of course, we see Jesus affirm those two things. We see Jesus affirm the Old Testament, affirm the New Testament, and things like that. Now, thank God we're picking up peace. I want to show you some things. Turn your Bible, First Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 first. Are you there? It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It is the what? Power of God. Is the power of God. So, when we, the, the things of light is wisdom to those that their eyes have been opened. Come on, are you here? The things of light, I'm trying to skip through many verses and show you many things. And why is that? You look at, you go to verse 27. Because God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. You look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He tells us that the God of this world has what? Blinded their hearts. So they cannot see. Not just because they are blind, but because they are what? Blinded. You know, there are metaphors that the Bible uses to describe a a, a sinner. Dead. Blind. Lost. Which other one? What are the three major ones I can remember? dead because they are unable to help themselves. Blind because they cannot see. Lost because they are groping around. They have to be found. Christine, are you with me? Dead. So, the Bible is careful. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul, an intelligent writer, says that these people are blinded by the God of this world. He has covered their eyes. So it's not just that they cannot see. A force is holding them back from seeing. And that's exactly why evangelism is warfare. Don't just come down and say, all right, let's go and preach. It's warfare. First Corinthians 2. Let me just show you a few things. Let's start from verse... Hmm. You know what? Let's do a commentary. Let's start from verse 4. Verse 4. It says, And my preach, and my speech, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the what? I think some 
people will say it is the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now, please pay attention. This is exactly why when you study your Bible, you need to be careful. Because if you read the context, when Paul said it was a demonstration of the Spirit's power, it had nothing to do with miracles. Please, are you with me? It had nothing to do with miracles. Pay attention. Go on. Verse 5. We are running fast. He said that your faith will not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the what? Power of God. Next verse. He said, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect as mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. So Paul is saying that there is a wisdom that turns to foolishness, that comes to nothing. Then he now says, next verse. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our what? Glory. Next verse. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have what? Crucified. So there is a wisdom that the princes of this world, i.e. extension, the people of the world cannot receive. Are you here? That's exactly where the, you see, you have been made alive to God. That's exactly why now you can sit down and listen to sermons that were boring to you before. You did not just pick up a new habit. You were made alive. Come on, are you with me? You came to camp meeting. They didn't force you, are they? Uh-huh. They would, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of Glory. Next verse, verse 9. He said, Boaz is written. This verse is one verse that's taken out of context a lot. I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, of man the things that God had prepared for them that love him. Uh-huh. But God hath revealed them unto us by his what? Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, there is a revelation of God we have seen in the gospel that we have received how? By the Spirit. It is the teaching of the gospel. So, it was mystery, but now Paul has taught revelation. That revelation he is teaching, meaning explaining the Old Testament, that is the demonstration of the Spirit's power that he said in verse 4. Please, are you with me? That teaching of revelation, that teaching of revelation is the demonstration of the Spirit's power that he spoke in verse 4. Next verse. He said, for what man skip? What man knoweth the things of a man except the spirit that is in him? But um, let's go to verse. I want to run. Go to verse 12. Okay, let's read. Let's continue from verse 11. But give me an NLT. I want to, NLT captures it well. Verse 11. NLT. Look at this. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own what? Spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Next verse. He said, look at this. No one can know God's thoughts except God's spirit. But now we can know it. Why? We have received God's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Next verse. Look at this. He said, and we tell you these things. We do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. This is the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Come on, are you here? 
This is the demonstration of spiritual power. He said, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit. KJV says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But this, that explaining spiritual things, um, speak, um, speak words given to us by the spirit. He said, using the spirit words to explain spiritual truths. I think another NLT, an earlier, an updated NLT this thing says, explaining spiritual words with spirit, explaining spiritual truths with spirit-inspired words. So, it means that the preaching of the, of the gospel is the demonstration of the spirit's power. Come on, are you with me? Using the spirit, just, uh, um, next verse. Next verse. He said, but people who aren't spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the word spirit means. The man who is not born again is dead, is blind, is lost, his eyes cannot see. But we who are born again, our eyes can see. So the things of God is wisdom to us. Come on, are you with me? The things of God are, is wisdom. So Christ, some people are seeking for wisdom, some people are seeking for a sign. But Christ has become unto us the wisdom and the power of God. In the face of Jesus, we have seen wisdom. And in the face of Jesus, we have seen power. In the face of Jesus, the wisdom of God from the beginning of the world in salvation has been revealed. And in Jesus, the power of God has also been revealed. Come on, TC, are you with me? Guys, are you here? Maybe those online are more excited. Some of you look lost. Are you here? Uh Uh-huh. We're in TC now. We're we're used to these teachings. We didn't take teachings no more. We, we take it in, bring it on. 18 hours we are still here. Amen. 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 Martin, I said, you said? <laughs> um, okay, let's just finish the text. Next, verse 15. It said, those who are spiritual can evaluate. And the translation says, can understand all things. And this is why when the Bible says all, you need to check the context. What are the things he had been speaking about? The spirit revelation in the gospel, right? That spirit revelation in the gospel is the all things. Yes, because, because you have the spirit doesn't mean you know medicine now. Doc had to go to medical school for seven years. Seven years. The fact that he has the spirit doesn't mean he can be an engineer now. He cannot build for me. But if Doc says, well, I'm looking at you. Your nervous system is shifting to the right. We believe him. So, the all things there is you can understand the things of the spirit because you have the spirit of God. But they themselves cannot be understood by others. KJV says, judge. Verse 16, final verse. A lot of people use this verse for exam. Paul was quoting the Old Testament. For who can know the, the Lord's thoughts, the mind of Christ? That's what KJV says. Who can know the mind of Christ that they may instruct him? He says, but we understand these things for we have the what? So are you saying that the mind of Christ has nothing to do with exam? 
The mind of Christ is a feature you have. Because you have received the spirit, you now have capacity to understand and receive spiritual things. The things that were foolishness before have now become life to you. Come on, are you with me? The things that were foolishness before have now become what? Life to you. So, look at this. The fact that you can understand these things doesn't mean they will come to you. It means that you will study. It means that you will be taught. Are you here? It means that you will study and it means that you will what? You will be taught. So, since you will study, because Paul prayed that the eyes of their understanding be flooded with light, that they may know the hope of the calling, the fullness of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, they may know all those things. But you know what Paul did? Paul now taught them the exact thing he was praying for them to see. Paul taught them that thing. Because I can pray for you to receive the revelation of God, but if I don't teach you, some things don't come by laying on of hands. They come by teaching. Are you with me? Come by teaching. You must be taught. So, please pay attention to this. And we're getting into where I was going all along. Is someone is making sense, have you? It means that Bible study is a spiritual activity. Let me tell you something. Are you guys aware? There are Bible professors that are not born again. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine. This, my friend, is one of the most intelligent people I know. He's one of the most intelligent people I know. His name is Mohammed. And he speaks in tongues. Yeah. He's one of the most intelligent people I know. This guy, you know, we're talking about these things and at the end, at the end of the day, like I said, God wants us to experience him. You know him, but he wants you to, be, to experience him. So, there are many people who just study the Bible for recreation. They just want to know it. There are atheists who have read the Bible back to back to back to back to back to back. And I've never experienced the power in that book. Because the power in that book is only seen by, by eyes that have been opened. Come on, are you with me? It's only seen by eyes that have been opened. As some of you's eyes want to close. Hallelujah. So, so I think um, the Latin term is this examinatus spiritualia. Ah, not throwing Latin word. Examinatus spiritualia. It means it's only those who are born of the spirit that can see what is in the word. And because you can see, you should study. Paul said, I write these things to you that when you read, Ephesians 3, that when you read, you might understand my revelation of the mystery. So, Paul's, give me Ephesians 3, that verse I just quoted. Because Paul wants, Paul, want, Paul was writing those letters to people that, and he was hoping that when they read it, as soon as they read it, they understand what he's saying. The idea was not that they will read it and it will be a mystery to them. Come on, are you with me? Because the same truth, you can grow in depth of them, but the same truths are still the same truth. Give me in KJV, please. 
He said that when you read, you might understand my, my revelation of the mystery. No, now this is not it. Verse 4. Uh-huh. He said, whereby when you read, you may what? Understand. Not that when you read, because you have not come into a certain keda in God, you cannot get it. He said, when you read, you may what? Understand. Think about it. The Bible was written. They are called epistles. They are letters. How can you write letters to people and not want them to know, understand it? So it is strange for a believer to say, I don't really understand the Bible when I read it. First of all, you know, this is what the Bible says. He said, you should be a workman that rightly, you know, he said, study to show yourself approved. The word study is actually spaudazo. So the word study there actually means be diligent in showing yourself approved. A workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. It means that when we, when we hear you talk, we should know you put in the work. We should know you put in the work. Have you seen... No, that's a bad... Don't worry, let me not say that. Have you seen someone come to give a presentation and then the way the person just stands, you know this person is not ready. The person says, um... um yeah, hi everybody. Um, so today is um, yeah, what's the topic again? We're not ready. God's plan is that when you engage scriptures and you talk, we know you've put in the work. So when you when we hear you talk, we know that you are a workman. You are a workman. You have you have you have put labor. You know, Pastor Oge says something I will never forget. Bible study is an exhaustive discipline. So for me, these verses I'm just quoting by heart. I was expecting you to put it up, please. Thank you. It's an exhaustive discipline. Because you don't learn Bible, you don't learn the Bible by the laying on of hands. You must sit down with it. Come on, Tizia, are you here? You must sit down with it. And the reason I always say this is because the Bible is the closer you are to your Bible, the further you are from deception. The closer you are to your Bible, the further you are from deception. Do you know I propose something? And I know some of you are obviously tired and I empathize with you. But I'm seeing some of you actually do. Do you know what is in my heart? I will not finish this sermon until I'm done. Because being wicked pays. Don't worry. If you are not tired, how will you build capacity? We're all in this together. Amen. You doze, you awake, you doze, you pinch yourself, you walk around, you, you will still be there. You, you wake up. So, I mean, Hola, how are you doing? He said, so, so, please, are you with me, guys? I just saw the back of my hoodie on this. I say, ah, this back is dangerous. Those of you who want hoodie after this camp meeting, 70 pounds for the cap alone. Yes. Mm. Then each letter is 20 pounds each. Order it first, you know. But Bisola Zone hasn't come yet. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, having said all, because the closer you are to your Bible, properly exegeted, the further you are from deception. Many people who like being deceived. 
is a love language. So many people believe that when you, there are some videos I would have played for you guys. It's just that I don't want to breathe dishonor in your hearts for any minister. I hear some people preach some things and I'm like, ah, ah. Kikiski. I'm like, where did you see this one? You read it, Paul who say, hmm, I've never seen that before. Paul, you preach, you preach. Ah, God, someone preached something, he said. He said, Moses saw the face of God so much that even he too became a God. He said he too became a God. And then that's exactly why we don't even know where Moses is buried. Because even Satan wanted to know. Satan and an angel fought over the body of Moses. Because even if Satan had seen it, he would have known the secret of immortality. That even God had to kill Moses for immortality. I say immortality and death in the same sentence. And this is the problem. When our doctrine is not systematized and we're just preaching extemporaneously, you're preaching off the top of your head. Celebrate grace. Celebrate grace. Celebrate grace. Celebrate grace. When you are preaching off the top of your head, I see the heart. You are just vomiting it. Like hot air. You are just saying it. You are just saying, you see, the word, the scriptures. Jesus, you are just, ah, God. Ah, ah. There's one I saw. Ah. So, you are just preaching it like that. You will say a lot of rubbish. And what is to annoy me most is the people that used to stand up and say, God, what a word. Hot ascension realities. And you know the problem? See, listen to me. The realm of the spirit is not just angels with briefcase. There are demons there too. I've told you guys before, I had someone he host, he's hosting a camp meeting. And you see that camp meeting? Bro, are you tired? It's okay. You don't have to play. Because I told you. So, um, he hosted a camp meeting. This guy is very heavy on encounters. And he said 70 hours of prayer. No problem, do you? Then he said over 150 hours of meditation. That's why I got worried. Meditation on what? Meditation is good, but what are they meditating on? That's how you just open God's keys. God's keys to incubus and succubus. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? And that's exactly why I keep hammering on doctrine as a church. You guys know, not because power no day. Are you, are you getting me? Power day. Come for evening session. Are you getting me now? There's power. It's not, it's not a problem. But it's just because we are safest within the boundaries called scriptures. We are safest. When I, you know, usually, eight out of ten times, when somebody says, I want to shake a religious table now, religious people will not be comfortable with what I'm about to say. They are about to give one dangerous heresy. Most times. Don't say what we shake our table. Just say the word. Just say the word. Just preach the word. 
Don't give us any extra biblical talk. Just preach the word. Amen. Just preach the word. I can tell you so many stories. So many stories. People that have gotten into error. People, not just error, people that have gotten into trouble. People that have gone to look for what is not missing in reading extra books and, they were, and, and invited demons into their lives. You not be stressing me. Out, out. Don't stress me. Oh. Carry your problem. If I'm ministering the spirit and that demon, I will just do like I didn't see it. Because I'm tired. I need to go home. Paul said that you may understand. The Bible was written for you to understand. Now as I begin to round up laws of Bible interpretation. This place is getting warm and toasty. Is it just me? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's getting warm and toasty. That's what I'm saying. I need it colder. Don't worry, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Having said that, laws of Bible interpretation. Let me, let me stay on this first. Everything we must do as a church, as believers, must be founded on scriptures. Even the songs we sing. You can't sing a song because it sounds great. What does the word say? There are some songs that the day God's will will lead it, they will off the mic from the back. You know, someone sang, um, a pastor friend of mine, one of his people was singing a song and he asked her, what does he mean? She said, you know, it's like, um, it's just, hmm. It's, <laughs> So, we are just singing it because it's a vibe. What does it mean? We don't know. And that's exactly why the, when the choir was singing the other day, I, um, we said, um, what was that song again? Um, Let my king be lifted high, you know. Now, there's a context to lifting God high. If you're lifting him high in your heart, you know, magnifying him in your life, there's that, but that song... Is not about in your life. It's about his reality. So, but what the Bible records about Jesus in himself is not that we lift him high. It's that he is lifted high. So, the choir didn't sing, let my king. They sang, yes, my king is lifted high. There's another one. Um, Even in the grave, Jesus is Lord. But what the Bible tells us is that he rose from the grave so that he might be Lord, both of the living Lord. So when we sing that, we sing reason from the grave. Jesus is Lord. It's not semantics. It's scripture. Please, are you with me? It's not semantics. It's scripture. So there are songs that when we sing it, when a song hits you, leave the beat first. Carry the lyrics. You see, our songs, Paul said... 
I'm, I'm running, so I'm, I'm skipping a lot of things. Paul said, let the word of God dwell with you richly in all wisdom. Right? Let the word of God dwell with you richly in all wisdom. And then he tells us to sing. Are you, are you here? Tells us to speak to one another. It means that when we, we can take the lyrics of our songs and we should be able to read them. We should be able to read the lyrics of our songs and somebody will be taught of the Lord. Look at in Christ alone. You just read the lyrics of the song. My hope is found. You just read it and you're like, this is theology. Our songs are lyrical theology. We should take the teachings and put them on the verse. We were there when we were teaching on Abraham, right? And th- that the Lord gave us that spontaneous song, right? Um, the blessing is upon me. The promise has come to be. The spirit is within me. I am a child of God. <laughs> now, the blessing is upon me. That's the blessing of Abraham, which is what? Justification the, by faith. That's the, the promise. Just, um, Galatians 3.16. Justification um, by faith. And then give it the blessing is upon me. The promise has, has come to be. The promise is the blessing, right? Um, the spirit is within me. You know, I am. Because the spirit is within you, you can now say, cry, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are a child of God. That's teaching. Praise the Lord. Did I say that? Yes. No. Yes. Wait. Oh. Now to Abraham, 14. Go to 14. It's 314. I know I know Bible now. Said that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the blessing of Abraham is the giving of the Spirit. Actually, not justification by faith. It's the giving of the Spirit. But of course, if you have the Spirit, it's because you have been what? Justified. Or the giving of the Spirit is a sign you have been justified by faith. Do we get this? And that's exactly what we see. So, usually, if you want to know what is in people's head, just play on the keyboard, say, sing us a prophetic song. Ignorance or the knowledge or the lack of it will come out. So, we can't sing songs because they sound good. Come on, are you here? We shouldn't sing songs. So, so, there's a way I sing this song. Holy Spirit, we wait on you. Oh, fire. I sing it this way. Holy Spirit, you live in me. You're my fire. You know, um, Pastor Nobuchi sings it this way. Holy Spirit, we have you now with your fire. Either way, or, you know, mine or his, both work. But when it comes about the fire of the Spirit, or the inf, usually when we talk about the fire of the Spirit, what we mean is the that zeal, that infilling, that stirring. And the Bible teaches us that what we are supposed to do with the stirring of the Spirit, we don't wait for it. We, we don't wait for the feeling. So, so songs like, um, Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirst of my soul. You know, here's my cup. I, bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in something and spiritual. That's how, he said, don't be drunk with wine when he's like, but be healed. 
You are the one that determines how filled you will be. You don't pray to God to fill you. It's not a prayer point. It's a responsibility. So when we see things like that in scripture, it changes everything. Changes everything. So, I don't know. There are so many things I want to say, but I'm trying to watch my words. Anyways, laws of Bible interpretation. Are you here? Listen, your knowledge of God's word is your first defense against the devil. Your knowledge of God's word is your... Because what did the Bible say about Jesus? Every time the devil came, he would say, um, the word of God said, the word of God said, the word of God said. Your prop, because the truth is, even cults, Christian cults hinge on God's word. So your knowledge of the word is your clearest defense against the enemy. What the devil comes after is God's word. You say, did God say? So the devil will usually want to first make conditional what God has made unconditional. Like there are clear convictions we should have. Abortion is wrong. The believer is not supposed to... I can feel somebody tense up as I said that. That's how the devil has gotten us. So that when we call convictions that are supposed to be clear, you cringe. The, the believer is not... Sexual immorality should not be once mentioned amongst us. Come on, are you here? It should be strange that two believers are coming from the same house to church when they are not married. It's strange. Paul, under grace, said it should not be once mentioned amongst you. Why? Because, because we have received the grace of God. The Bible tells us in Titus 2, it said the grace of God has appeared unto us teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So the grace of God is a teacher. The grace of God is, is, is an empowerment above sin. When you have re- because you have received the grace of God, sin, look at this, it's from 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation and appear to all men. Teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. When the grace of God has come to you, and this is why grace is not afraid of sin, because the grace of God will defeat sin. Because where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds even much more. So the grace of God will swallow sin. So God's grace is empowerment above sin. The grace of God is a teacher. He teaches us to deny ungodliness. Anybody that said they've seen the grace of God and they are still living in loss has not seen well. Because if you awake to righteousness, 1 Corinthians 11, 34, 34, 35, if you awake to righteousness, you will sin not. You will sin not. So, so, there are things that should be strange. It doesn't matter where we live in, what clime we are living in. The believer should not somehow pamper that same-sex marriages are somehow God's will. Now, let me say this categorically. Being homophobic is a sin too. You shouldn't hate 
people that have that attraction to is wrong. Being homophobic is a sin. The believer shouldn't be that way. However, there is no way it is acceptable under God as well. No way. There are things that should be strange. You can't prove this biblically. But as my personal counsel, I usually say two believers that are dating should not even kiss. No, I'm saying this because we are young people. Please listen to me. If you don't go far enough, you will not know how far you can go. Someone said something. He said, in Bible times, they asked, what must we do to be saved? But right now, what we ask is, how much can I do and still be saved? That question is fine enough. Come on, are you listening to me? Our consecration is different. We are living to the one who died for us and rose again. And we are going back to give account. It should scare you, man. You know, if they, in our organization, if they say your KPI, even if you, download, you downloaded movies with the office internet throughout the month, there's a way you can put a lot of jargon on your KPI and say, I did this. You know, you just give metrics that don't make sense. And the, your boss to enslave you, say, mm, I see where you are coming from. But this is a God who sees you, who knows you more than you know yourself. So there are things that should be strange for the believer. You should be able to do business with a believer and the believer will say, I will pay you next week and you won't be worried that the believer will run away with your money. Say amen. amen. Tools to Bible interpretation. The word of knowledge of God's word is your first defense against the devil. And one of the greatest tools to learn Bible interpretation is a good Bible teacher. It's a good Bible teacher. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Celebrate grace, everybody. Thank you. He's a good Bible teacher. So I've said this many times. Give me Christianity. Christianity is a Christianity is a historic faith. Whatever you find in the faith is not invented, it's discovered. You don't invent, you discover. Having said that, I'm going to divide this into too quickly. I want to try and end by 4.30 so that we can have more. I can also have more time to rest and then we come back for a powerful evening session. Amen. Common but wrong practices in Bible interpretation. Number one, preconceived notions. Preconceived notions. Most times, preconceived notions. I'm giving you time to write that. Those online, are you with me? I'm enjoying this online audience. Are you with me? Those online, eh. (laughs) most times, we approach scriptures with preconceived notions. What does that mean? Most times, people approach scriptures to sustain doctrine rather than obtain doctrine. 
So we approach scriptures to sustain doctrine rather than what? Obtain doctrine. You don't approach scriptures to validate what you know. You approach scriptures to learn. So when the word of God says, I'm wrong, it doesn't matter how long I've held that tradition. See, spiritual growth consists of, consists of, I'm using a word to describe that word, so that may be tautological. Spiritual growth comprises of consistent unlearning. Consistent unlearning. So, I knew this before. Now I know better. I knew it like this. Like that was not wrong, but this is better. Come on, are you with me? I'll show you a few more. Listen, so, so, thank you, Holy Ghost. So, ah, we'll take some time to flow with the Spirit in the evening. Amen. One example of preconceived notion, for example. Have you heard when people interpret the Bible like this? Anywhere you see snake in the Bible is the devil. In Matthew 3, when Jesus referenced Moses lifting up the serpent and it was like him, was that Satan? So it's a wrong way to interpret scriptures. Anywhere you see Egypt in the Bible, it means bondage. No. Wrong. Anywhere you see seed, is sacrifice. No. Paul referenced to money and seed in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Come on, are you here? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But we now start using things like as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. So now, that verse, if we're going to use that verse and you say we should, so we should bring rice. Because when he said as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, he was actually talking of planting season and reaping season. Purely agriculture. Isaac sowed. So anytime we see the word so he refers to money. No. Isaac sowed in the land and reaped a hundredfold. He actually planted, he opened the ground and sowed something and covered it back. That's exactly what. So you don't, you don't approach scriptures with hasty generalizations. What does this verse actually mean? Number two. Number two, um, common practice, but wrong. Okay, well, I've said this one already. Generalizations. Drawing sweeping conclusions from particular instances. You know, that one I said about um, um, this thing. About seed and stuff like that. Hallelujah. Then number three, which is the final common, allegorical interpretations of scripture. Allegorical. Allegorical interpretation of scripture. What that means is simply this. A verse must have a deeper meaning. It must have a deeper meaning. That's how to enter error. So usually when we approach the scripture, we read it, we read it, we read it, 
He said there must be something than this. No. You can't be deeper than the author. Are you with me? You can't be deeper than the author. And this is exactly why Bible study is painstaking labor. You approach it wanting to know what the author intends. Listen, if I write a letter to you, and you want to read your own meaning into the letter, you will not understand what I'm saying. You're supposed to read and understand what I meant. This is what people do. David, I want you to brutalize Adeshola's. I want you to go to Adeshola's house and beat him. And when you beat him, bring the can of milk that he stole from me back to Birmingham, back to my house. And David goes to Adeshola's house and beats him as usual. Right. Hallelujah. Uh (laughs) And then David now sees the can. He says can. Pastor said I should. He reads it. He says can. Pastor said I should bring the can of milk. What can't you do? Jesus. I can do all things. Ah, this is deep now. This is deep. As I'm seeing this can of milk, I'm going to the peak. I'm going to the peak. It's in me. I don't need to do any other thing. So, I'm seeing all these things. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, how far? So, that's how many people read scriptures. If you read your school books that way, you would have failed. You read to understand what was said and you give them back the way they taught you. you. You don't innovate. You don't get creative. You are not the first Christian. This faith is 2,000 years old. When you are... See, listen. Listen. When you approach a verse of scripture, and you give us an interpretation that in over 2,000 years of Christian history, you are the first to arrive at that. We either scrutinize it or we flog you. Because in a, in a historic faith of over 2,000 years, nobody has arrived at your conclusion. Who do you think you are? Thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to deal more on this tomorrow. So, let's, let's land on this. I have 15 minutes to run through this, so I'm going to do this as fast as possible. Number one law of Bible interpretation, liberal interpretation. Liberal interpretation. I want to hit something, but I'll wait for tomorrow. Liberal interpretation. Which is this. When the plane of your sense of a scripture makes sense, seek no other sense. The only meaning to a text is that which the author intended. The only meaning to a text is that which the what? Author intended. If the author intended this, then this is what it must mean. David, get the can of milk. David, get the can of milk. Don't think of any other can. Don't dip it too deep and say, I can do all things. Mm-mm. 
can of milk is can of milk. Because let me tell you something, the Bible that is based from is a book. The way you read any other book is the way you read it, you understand it, and you approach it that way. It's a book. Come on, TC, are you with me? The passage must be understood unknown. When, plain, when it makes plain obvious sense, seek no other sense. Alright? The only meaning to a text is that which the author intended. Number two, scripture interprets scripture. Now, there's a faulty way people approach this one. I wish I had more time to, but probably we'll do maybe in 2025, we'll do a midweek service teaching series on laws of Bible interpretation. 2025. Amen? Uh Um, But scripture interprets scripture. There's a wrong way people interpret this. So, because Paul called money seed in 2 Corinthians 9, everywhere they now see seed is money because scripture interprets scripture. That's not true. Because the truth is usually every other law is balanced by every other law. Do you get this? This law is balanced by every other law. So when we say scripture interprets scripture, is when we see the, the apostles quoting the Old Testament. They quote the Old Testament scriptures on particular verses. Then we say, ah, what do you hear? We see them quote Old Testament verses to explain those things. So when you look at the when you look at them quote. Um, um, Old Testament verses. You must read those verses in the context. And if you read those verses in that context, you will get a clearer understanding of what the author was trying to communicate. So, Paul speaking, for example, and Paul was quoting Psalm, the writer of Hebrews was quoting Psalm 8, and he said, David said, when I look at the, the firmament, I look at all the works of your hands, I can't but conclude that what is man, that thou art mindful of him. And the son of man that thou visitest him. For you have crowned him with glory and honor. But you come to Psalm 2. And then he, the writer says the same thing. Talking about man and being mindful of him. And all those things. He said, but you have not yet put all things under his feet. He now says, but Jesus. So he's saying that man has his own level of authority. But there's another level of authority that is in Christ. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? So... That's why exactly why I said it's hyperlinked. Because usually when you check your footnotes and you're reading the epistles, you, especially Matthew said that it might be fulfilled, you will see where it was prophesied. And then when you read that, you see them quoting Old Testament text. You see, oh, this is what he was referencing. Second Corinthians, when he said, um, his word shall not return to him um, null and void. You know, you accomplish um, he that, you know, Paul was basically paraphrasing he that gives bread to the sower, seed to the eater, that, you know, God gives his word and then his word makes it happen. Do you get what I'm saying? His word will not come back to him void. So he was using that to now explain to them even about giving. I wish, I don't have more time, so I'm, I'm just going to run. But listen, a passage of scripture <clears throat> must be understood in the light of other clearer and more expressive verses of scripture. I'll give an example. The one we have been quoting, when he said, I have so many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them. However, when the spirit of truth is come, he will what? 
guide you into all truth. How exactly did the spirit of truth guide into all truth? It's very simple. The spirit of truth guided into all truth by inspiring on the apostles and then the apostles continued what they wrote by the spirit. Because Paul basically tells us that you know, he has these things by the spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? So, what the spirit, what Jesus could not tell them because they were limited, you know, because they didn't have the spirit within, right? Um, when the spirit of, of truth came, they could now have it. So, the revelations they had after Jesus was the fulfillment of what Jesus said. So, when Jesus said he will guide you into all truth, the all truth there is not any kind of truth. It's not your exam questions. Do you understand? Can God show your exam questions? Yes. Even though, please. Let me tell you why that thing is dubious. You know, when we say things like, God, please show me the exam questions, and maybe you want to be what? You're a Yoruba engineer. Hmm? Or what? Give me a course. Give me something. Something not too serious. Not too serious. Mascom. Perfect. Communications. And then you have your way to you have your way around it. And then you're always seeing the exam question. So you don't read, you only read that aspect. And then you always pass. You know. Now let's bring that same context to a doctor. Imagine the doctor only read what came out in the exam <clears throat> and passed. And he told you lie down. He told you, lie down. That's how ridiculous we are. Daniel was excellent. He knew things. Baba the Jack used to study. And he knew. That is the God of the Bible. You shouldn't do a four-year course and only know the areas of your exam. Come on, are you with me? You shouldn't do a four-year course and only know the areas of your exam. You should sabi the work. You should sabi the work. So, I'm, I'm going to, you guys have probably seen me explain this, but scripture must interpret scripture. A verse Verses that are not so clear must be interpreted by verses that are very clear. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? I don't have time, so I'm going to skip that. And we see the apostles use that. Number three, context. Context. You see this one? This one will save you 80%. If you just study the context, you'll be fine. So, pretext and post-text equals to context. If you read the verses before and you read the verses after, you know what the verses say. Listen, a verse of scripture can never mean what it never meant. Doesn't matter how ingenious you are with it. If it did not mean this 500 years ago, it cannot start meaning it today. Let me, let me give you a very easy one that I, I, I just I, I thought up while I was out. 
Second Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1. In fact, hold Second Corinthians 3. Please remind me in case I forget. Second Corinthians 3. Give me John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Let's start from verse 60. John 6, 60. John 6, 60. Open my me. We're running to 65, thereabout. Many thereof of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it, huh? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit and... Give me in NLT. I like how NLT puts this verse. I think it says it's the spirit that gives eternal life. Yes. The spirit alone gives what? Human effort accomplishes what? The very words I have spoken to you are what? Spirit and life. Let me see the next verse. He said, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Let me see 65 and wrap up. He said, then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Now, hold on. Look, you see this verse? Calvinists hold on to this verse and say, the only people that are saved are those who God has forever destined to be saved. Have you heard that before? Now, I tell you, this verse, if you read this verse and you don't go to, you don't continue through the book of John, you'll be lost. He said, MKJV says, um, Only those who the Father gives to me. How does KJV put it? Can't remember. Um, something along those lines. No one can come unto me except he who the Father draws. Thank you. Except he who the Father draws. That's what KJV says. But if you continue reading, do you know what Jesus said? Jesus then said, if I be lifted up. And when I lift him up, he was talking about his death. Come on, are you with me? So, remember I said context. Are you guys with me? This one is even another text. I'll come back to John's. When he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And the Bible next verse now says, this, he spoke about his death. So, if a worship minister comes up and says, you know, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. So, come on, just lift him up. Wrong use of scripture. Because the very next verse says that this, he spoke about his death. Anyways, so when we read this John 6, it said, except we are given unto you by my father. No one can come to me except he who the father draws. But when you continue reading, do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, um, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. So what was his plan after his death? All men. Not some, all men. And why did Jesus say this? Therefore I said unto you, no one can come to me except he were given unto him of my father. And then you keep on reading. But if you read the verses, the verse before, he said Jesus knew the ones that did not believe on him. So at the end of the day, no one can come to the father except, you know, in the preaching of the gospel, that is God calling you. So if the gospel is not preached to you, you can't come. But as the gospel is preached to you, that is God reaching out to you. So in that context, that is the father calling you. 
And then your responding is the father giving you to him. It's not that the father chose you from the beginning of eternity. So if it was not given to you, it was because of one thing, verse 64, unbelief. Come on, do you get this? It's because of unbelief. But go back to verse 63. We look at Jesus say, um, um, the words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. And they, so a lot of people now say, I don't speak any other thing. The words I am speaking, they are what? Spirit and life. But Jesus quickly said, the spirit gives eternal life. NLT. The spirit gives it. So, what I am speaking to you is simply what Paul also said that was come by the revelation of the spirit in 1 Corinthians 2. If I am speaking by the spirit to you, you will believe the gospel. And then you will receive eternal life. Because the words that the spirit gives, remember 1 Corinthians um, 2.15 Spiritual truth communicated by spirit inspired words. The things I'm speaking by the Spirit will only come to you. Come on, are you here? The things I'm speaking to you by the Spirit will produce what is 14, I believe. No, 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 14, yes. The things I'm giving to you by the Spirit. Oh, is it? Because I think it's 13 or 12. Anyways, he said, the things they are freely, now we receive riches of God. Let me see 13. Yes, it's 13. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, when Jesus said, the things I speak to you, they are spirit. The words I speak, they are spirit and life. Is because when I speak those words to you, you will receive that which is of the spirit. Which is what? Life. Eternal life. Now, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 3. And I'm going to wrap up here. 2 Corinthians 3. Or I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 3. Let's start from verse 1. We're going to Tofumi. Look at this, because we're going to a very important verse. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spirituals, but as carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Uh-huh. I have fed you with milk. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Second, second. He said, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You know who Paul is shading here? Barnabas. Because Barnabas needed a letter from the apostles. <laughs> or do we need letters of commendation from him? Next verse. He said, You are our, apost- our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You are proof of our apostleship. He said, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. What is the table of stone? The commandment, the law, right? Uh-huh. He said, for us, he said, and such trust have we through God to you word. Look at this. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything else, but our sufficiency is of God. Uh-huh. Who has also made us able ministers of the New Testament? Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Hold on. When he said the letter killeth, what was he talking about prior? Tablets of stone. Those things that are tablets of stone are the letter. But the spirit giveth life. Is it telling with what Jesus said? The words I speak to you, the spirit and life. And then he said the spirit gives eternal life. If you are not convinced, next verse. 
But if the ministration of death, written and engraving in stone, was glorious. So that which is a ministration of death is that, when he says ministration of death, it means that that thing that gives death is, what did he say gives death in verse 6? The letter. The letter that killeth. So when people say, I'm, I'm not a minister of the letter, I'm a minister of the spirit. It does not mean you are very anointed. A minister of the letter, according to this verse, is someone who preaches the law. Why does he say the letter killeth? Do you remember he quoted Moses? He said, the children of Moses, when the glory was done away, da, da, da. when the law was given and Moses came down, 3,000 were killed. Because of, they were worshipping idols. 3,000 were killed. But when the grace was given, the Holy Ghost came, 3,000 were saved. So, so one gives life, one kills. The spirit gives eternal life, the letter kills. The letter is the law, that which is written on tablets of stone. But that which gives light is the spirit, that which is written on tablets of flesh, which is what? Your heart. Remember when he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will take out the stony heart. 2 Corinthians teaches us that the tablets of stone, the law written on stony heart, was typification of how hard our hearts were. But the fleshy heart is the Holy Ghost, is the, is the regulator teaching us what way to go. So when you say, the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life, it is the law. If you, you can only kill, you can only be a minister of the letter if you are preaching the law. But then, able ministers of the new covenant are ministers who minister what the spirit gives. And what is that? Eternal life. If you are preaching the gospel that Christ has forgiven you your sin, not that you are not anointed. If you are not anointed, you are not a minister of the letter, you should be flogged. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not the same thing. But this verse Another one I'm going to talk about. This, that, so this verse is one verse that people use out of context a lot. Another verse that I'm going to use on context is the word. When you see the word all in the Bible, what is he talking about? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. You can't fly. You can't turn into a pig. So that's not, you need to check the context of all. Verse 12, Paul said, I have learned in all things how to abase and abound. So when he says, I can do all things, it means all usually meant all these. So I can abase and abound. A spiritual man understands all things. What was he talking about before? Come on, do you guys get this? So that verse is the all. Money answered all things. Did money buy your salvation? So what did he mean? He was talking of kings who used the taxpayers' money to... Um, um, eat in the morning and throw parties and do everything. He now says money answers all. Money answers all those things that they are using money for, throwing parties and all. Money answers those things. So when you see all, read the context. What am I trying to say? A verse without context, without pretext and post-text, you're only left with con. You're lying to us. So that's exactly why it's not just enough that the man, they shoot verses. He can preach like a machine gun. It's not just to be throwing verses. Well, those verses in context, 
What are they saying? Come on, are you with me? What are they saying? Um, I'm trying to run. This is not the last one. There are many others, but I'm just going to land on this one. There's something called the law of first mention. The Bible is a book. The way a book, a word is used at the beginning of a book is the way the word is usually used throughout the book. So if you want to understand the word holy, look for how it was first used. God called the Sabbath day holy, right? Come on, right? The Sabbath day did not have a moral. The day don't, doesn't have moral conduct. Come on, are you with me? The day doesn't have moral conduct. So that means that there's something we have to learn about holiness from the day that is away from conduct. It means that holiness is greater than conduct. Among many other things. So I'm just running. Then also, I mean, I'm just going to drop this. One of the tools you, you use as a Bible. No, I don't want to teach something I can't finish. Or something I'll just drop. But let me say this. Why do we call Greek words? Or why do I call Greek words sometimes? I know it's because the Bible was not written in English. And when you translate a, a book from another language to another language, you are bound to lose some things. And that's why sometimes I say, you know, give me another translation because sometimes it's easier and sometimes some translations capture things better than other translations do. So I say, give me another verse. So, for example, the Bible says he gave them power. But sometimes the word power is not dunamis. It's exousia. So when you see that the word there is authority, it puts it in better perspective. So it means that it's not power, it's authority. I'm not wrestling with the devil. I'm on his head. It helps you understand it better. Come on, are you with me? So many times when we check, okay, the Greek word of this is this. So it helps us understand. Now, a lot of people have used Greek words dubiously. They will say the Greek word is this. And then they now try to use the word to change the context. That's not it. Context is king. Come on, say that after me. Context is king. If the word doesn't flow with the context, you are lying. And you need to repent. Amen. Have you learned anything this afternoon? Come on, rise to your feet. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson Mihalwa Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at t.me forward slash Nelson Mihalwa. And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Mihalwa. God bless you.